Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to a special live edition of Everything Compliance. This is episode 20, which we recorded at the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics 2017 Compliance and Ethics Institute. Mike Volkoff is on assignment this week, so sitting in in his chair is Roy Snell, the president and CEO of the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics, joining the regular panelists, Mr. Monitors, Jay Rosen, Vice President for Business Development at Affiliated Monitors, Jonathan Armstrong, partner at Cordery Compliance in London, and Matt Kelly, founder and editor of Radical Compliance. Each participant takes a look at some of their uh, highlights from this year's conference and what are some of the most significant compliance-related stories that they've seen over the past couple of weeks. It's a great free-flowing interview. If you've ever been interested in the SCCE annual conference, this is the podcast for you. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. Everything Compliance is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Also, please note, as this was a live recording, the sound quality is not as good, so you may need to turn up your volume to hear all the speakers. Thank you. Okay, everyone. Hello, and welcome to the first live episode of Everything Compliance. We have Jay Rosen, Mr. Monitors. We have Jonathan Armstrong from Quarterly Compliance. We have Matt Kelly, founder and editor of Radical Compliance. And sitting in, coming in from the bullpen, from the Minnesota Twins, Roy Snell, the president of the SCCE. We are here live at the Compliance and Ethics Institute 2017 in Las Vegas. Roy's graciously taken some time to uh, sit down with the gang. And what we're going to talk about is whatever is on your mind around this year's conference, a different venue, uh, obviously different topics, different people. I would have to say that Every conference is my favorite conference, but they're all different, and everyone has their own character. So I wanted to start off by asking, I guess, Jay, we'll start with you. What's uh, different about this one? What's What have you liked? Just your thoughts on CEI 2017. I, I, I agree with you, Tom, that, that everyone is new. Um, I'm just blown away by the number of people here and the enthusiasm that everyone has, and uh, I'm a little grumbly because I led to uh, advanced discussion groups and I have to apply, you know, 25 people staying in a room communicating with each other from 2.30 to 3.30 on the second day of a conference. So, you know, um, it's, I love the advanced discussion group format because you really get to get people an opportunity to benchmark. I had people in there for large corporations, people in there from different industries and, uh, you know, we went uh, from all sorts of things about talking about conduct, policies, procedures. One thing that was very interesting, um, I don't know if there's a technical solution out there, but somebody suggested that if you have on your calendar that you're going to negotiate an RFP, that at that point you get messaged. And it says, you know, I hope the deal goes well, and don't accept any bribes, and make sure you're ethical. Yeah. So it's a kind of Big Brother IoT thing. I haven't seen it, but I think that would be very interesting yeah. to deliver just-in-time messaging. So I have to stop there. The Astros have just scored two runs, so please continue. <laughs> All right. Please continue. So, Roy, you've obviously been at a lot of these conferences, yeah. and uh, you've been a big participant in uh, all of them. So what are you feeling different about this one? Well, uh, it's... it's uh, 
To be honest with you, it's not terribly different. I mean, we, this is kind of the way we do things. We do them, this model uh, for some of the other conferences we have. We, we do about 85 conferences a year, so uh, we have to have some sort of uh, format or consistency uh, to be able to do that many. So it's uh, it feels the same. We make slight changes uh, every year. Uh, to uh, try and improve things. It's always a lot easier to do it here in Caesars because this facility was built uh, better or there's more space for this sort of thing. We had 1,800 people and, uh, you know, somebody always gets not, you know, it doesn't always go well for some constituency. Either the breakouts aren't big enough or enough or the general session room is cramped or the vendor area is cramped in this place like this, it, it's, uh, it, it's enough room for, for everybody. The funny part though is, is that you end up walking a lot further. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so we claim to be the conference where you can burn more calories uh, than and, and consume them. And ironically, every year we try and think of one or two new things to do. Our folks had a I don't know if it was a contest or something for people walking, and so that there was a, some company where you get a wristband, you get plugged into uh, this walking contest, and uh, boy, now I wish I would have looked more closely at how many steps this person who won took. But there's a screen in the hallway yeah. with, and and you know, I mean, there's other reasons to do it, promoting fitness and. And uh, we do uh, this yoga thing in the morning that a lot of people know about, and uh, so it looks really familiar to me. I, we do so many a year, it's hard to look this some more after 20 years. So Jonathan, you've been to several of these, and you go to conferences literally across the world. What, what about this one strikes you or sticks out? Oh, it's always, it's always about the best conference I go to, and I'm not just saying that because Roy's here. <laughs> I think I've said it to Roy privately as well. Um, I think there's an awful lot of things that are good about this conference. Uh, it's hard to find any that are not good. I've been thought, uh, this, um, as well as this conference more than others, uh, I've obviously know more people, so I've spent more time chatting to people. I think we all often underestimate that element. If you're a compliance officer, even in a big corporation, you're, you're lonely. You know, you don't have that ability to benchmark against each other people, each other, to sit down with somebody uh, over lunch and say, I've got a problem with my helpline. Have you ever seen the same problem and this sort of thing? And, you know, firms like ours, for example, try and get our clients together to do that. But that's never going to be representative because obviously we'd hope our clients know a lot of this stuff because they're our clients. To benchmark against the general population and to do that informally over dinner or over lunch, that's one of the critical aspects that this conference fulfills. So whilst ever we can concentrate, and we should, on how good, great the programs are, whether we can do 6.7 miles, as one of the delegates told me <laughs> yesterday, walking from uh, room to room, that's all great. But we oughtn't to forget it's the it's the sitting down and breaking bread with people there that's the key thing, I think. Mm -hmm. So, Matt, once again, you've been involved in lots of conferences, both uh, uh, as an organizer and a participant. What are some of your thoughts about CEI 
one seven this year. Well, Jonathan kind of stole some of my thunder because oh, I was going to say um, <laughs> that's you know, why we rehearse these the, things. The agenda, <laughs> the agenda is great, and I did attend uh, some very good discussions throughout. But uh, with all due respect to the agenda, the best conversation I had, the most learning I got was from somebody who I struck up a conversation with, and we went through how she is overhauling all of the risk assessments her company does because they do a large number of them and they realized we're all asking the people the same things over and over and exasperating employees and how can we streamline it. Very typical problem a lot of compliance officers encounter and she had a very good approach to how to simplify it and we just struck the, up a conversation over coffee and she walked me through, here's what we show to our audit committee, here's how it works and it's that kind of organic uh, discussions and insights that I, I really like. We, you know, I mentioned it's 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 no different than other conferences that go on, and we, they we all they all do it. Is but people need to understand that there's huge value in the times we're not in session. There's huge value when you're in session, but we try and make breaks long enough so that the conversation could maybe go on between sessions. We have the two receptions. Uh, we have the speed networking and speed mentoring and. We have this jersey thing on, on one of the nights that, ju that people, it just creates so much discussion. Uh, we work very, we give new people the green uh, first time attendee badge, and a lot of people go out of their way to welcome them. And, uh, you know, we, we try as hard as we can. I'm not sure we're any more effective than anybody else, but I think you're right, Matt, that I think, I think the in between wrong. is. I, th I, I don't think it's usual. I'm not disagree with that. I don't think it's usual. I did the, you did it as well, Jay. We both did the the pro bono volunteering on Saturday. Yeah, I've not thing. seen any other conference that does that. No. Nope. And I was very conscious, partly because you know not yay me, but I was one of them. I noticed that a number of the people in the room, and you were one as well. Whenever people were meeting, everybody, whether they were first time attendees or not, nobody was left on their own for more than about a minute. Yeah. And I was looking at that because I was thinking, if, if they are, I'll bring them in. But every, everybody, even before the bus had left, was engaged, was joining in with people. That's unlike many other conferences. There are always people who are stood at the side of the corners, looking lonely, don't know who to talk to. That doesn't happen here from my experience. And, and I think, you know, how many years have we worked together now? Five or six years? So yeah. it's you, it's Al Gabby. The first one I ever came to, Dan Roach was there with yeah. his wife, and what's yeah. unique about it is nobody wears a name badge. Yeah. So yeah. everyone's just a person volunteering, you've met them, and then when you're at the conference, you now know 40 people that you didn't know. So that yeah. was the way I learned about SCCE, and you know that was one of the tips that I give to people. If they're a first timer, come there, volunteer, and then that's gonna set the mood and really set and, the stage for yeah, the learning and, and the networking. And by the by, and you should take credit for this and your organization should, by the by, 288 families in Houston who may not have had a meal. Volunteer and then that's going to set For the full week, some people should have learning and learning from this conference and packing bags. Yeah, it's, Sorry, does that sound? It's a great point. I forgot yeah. about that one. And there's a half a dozen other things we, we do that I'm sure none of us are thinking of that encourages people to connect. I, I just remember the first conference I went to that was pretty big. Uh, everybody was running into their old buddies, and I was watching them hug and chat and, and uh, 
you need a hug, boy? I do. But you know, it's uh, it, it's like, well, but hey, uh, my jump change here, and uh, yeah, I I th I think that just there's there's so many places in the world where there's this class system when you're important and you're not as important, and I'm more important than this guy, and and I see any of that going on around here. Uh, a great example is the vendors. The vendors often get treated uh, like second-class citizens, and they, that will never happen here. Adam Turtletaub and I have spent plenty of time in a booth selling stuff in our day, and uh, I told him he is to help me all the time keep an eye out for anybody who tries to uh, set up a class system here. So I appreciate the comments, particularly about, you know, the, the volunteer thing. And as many times as we can, we try real hard not to uh, rank people by their importance, however you do that. Uh, do you know the amount that the silent auction rate? You know, I do not. It's, it's a shame. I do know that... Uh, boy, Over... Uh, oh, have you heard? I, I do know. Break some news. Break some news. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you ought to be an attorney because you should never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere. So um, let me set this up that the... Uh, it, it's not the Wounded Warrior Project. It's America. America's Fund. It uh, kind of focuses a little bit more on the families, I think. Of uh, wounded veterans. And there's a silent auction each year uh, that SCC puts on. Uh, and this year they raised over the silent auction raised over seven thousand dollars. Wonderful. So the uh, the other thing though I wanted to raise about the uh, fund this year, America's Fund, was uh, it's uh, um, is it Christopher the wounded veteran? It's uh, Justin. Justin, he spoke this year, and I have heard him speak before, but uh, he was so much more polished. He's so much more confident. He's yeah. so much more comfortable in front of 2,000 people. Yeah. How he got that dog up on stage, uh, <laughs> not going crazy. And that, for me, was one of the highlights to, to have seen the, I guess you'd call it professional growth in him, but just his comfort in going up in front of a group such as ours of, of professionals uh, and telling his story. And it's a horrific story. Yeah, he's, he's uh, I spent a lot of time with him over the last three years at these conferences and uh, followed him uh, a little bit throughout his life. He's been recently married, and the story is horrific uh, of what happened to him. He almost died for six months, I think. It was just uh, uh, something. But he is, uh, you know, I was talking to him yesterday, you know, about what are you going to do? And I think he's in a perfect place. He doesn't really know. Uh, he's uh, might be going into EMT school. Uh, but I encourage him to uh, try not to have too much of a plan, follow your nose, because I think that kid has uh, unbelievable potential. He is uh, strong, one of the strongest human beings I've ever run into. He's been through a lot and great family. And I'm glad we raised the money. And the other thing is we're going to donate a matching amount from SACE to a local charity set up by the community for the families, uh, victims of the shootings. And so uh, that whole thing was good. And it was a big rush out after he spoke to uh, the silent auction. And people, people wrote, I think people came by right after he spoke and wrote like $800 worth of uh, checks. And very generous group of people. This is another thing. Love to see you guys comment on about the community in general. 
the compliance communities pretty generous of everything their time their ideas their money these sorts of things right so can i ask each one of you for one thing new or different you learned this year whether it was in the session whether it was in the informal whether it was visiting with people whatever it might be so matt oh what did you learn new or different this year that's easy for me because i went to a session about the intersection of artificial intelligence and ethics and compliance concerns and I have been somewhat cynical that AI is going to take over and destroy the world. I do not think that's going to happen anytime soon. And I generally, I can, like, kind of appreciated that AI is out there, but thought it was more of a tech thing. But I learned an awful lot from this session that we had about the, I guess, the, the sentencing guideline obligations of a compliance program is supposed to be designed so that people can be trained and learn from their mistakes and can improve and you can incentives for good conduct and punishment for bad, and that doesn't work when the person is actually an algorithm, which doesn't respond to punishment and reward. And how much is this company's problem? Is it the algorithm's problem? Is it the IT department that trained the algorithm? And there were really, there are no simple answers to that yet, and I don't know when there will be, but it was a thought-provoking discussion that made me say, okay, actually there is more here to think about than I have been thinking about, at least for you know, any time before. Jonathan? Um, one of the things that, that, that made me pause for thought, really, is we had a good discussion with, um, I think I, I agree with you about the advanced discussion groups. I think they're really good. And uh, I went to one of yours, which was excellent, one of Richard B. Strong's, which was very good. And one of the discussions there was even around things like terminology. So we were talking a lot about perception. I have a particular hobby horse about things like FCA policies that teach people the law why. You know, we should be saying don't bribe people. We, didn't, we don't need to t- say he's a public official, here isn't. You know, we just need to say do the right thing, don't bribe people. And, and, and so that discussion went into people saying, well, actually, is the word compliance officer the big mistake? Is, you know, does that suggest police, hostile, discipline, you can't talk to us, unapproachable. You know, would you go and, I don't know, uh, flag down a police car and say, officer, can you advise me on my driving ability? Well, you wouldn't do that. So similarly, are you going to say to the compliance officer, are you going to go to them for advice, or do you think they're actually the cops, so they're to be avoided? And I thought that was a really interesting discussion, and, and you might have had that discussion before, but I think it sounds stunningly obvious, and I can't recall having that discussion in such depth before. So, so I thought that's worth a, a few thoughts. Hmm. Roy? I have a confession. Uh, I don't go to sessions. <laughs> no, no, this includes the whole conference, whether it's in a session, whether it's over a cup of coffee, whether it's talking to a vendor. Well, I, I'll tell you the. The strangest thing that happened to me at the conference is maybe one of the strangest things that ever happened to me in any one which would be alive. I don't know if that's true, but, and I know you guys want to talk a little bit and you all have an opinion, but the, I went to Bosnia last year, oh. Sarajevo, and uh, I had an experience that was just surreal in, in every way. 
And I came back and I tried to explain to people, and they go, "Oh, that's interesting." And I go, "No, it's. I mean, this is this is the most amazing thing that ever happened to me." And the compliance people said, "Oh, yeah, you weren't getting it." So I wrote an article, and people, "Oh, that's nice." And so I had given up trying to explain it. I thought nobody will ever understand how really amazing this experience was. And this year. Uh, the group decided to give an award to these folks that I was had met over there that are trying to push, and the, the, the award was for people trying to push the concept of compliance programs, compliance offices in a far-flung place, Sarajevo. And, and, and Moyan got up there and halfway through his thing, his presentation, his acceptance thing, and by the way, Adam did a great job explaining why it is these people deserve this and then halfway through I thought they're gonna get it uh -huh. and I and I knew Vishnu was coming and I and I know Vishnu and I knew that was gonna be it was twice as dramatic as as I had envisioned it was if you could have had 10 12 people helping these two folks try and say the right things for 10 minutes and get this across and you couldn't have done better they just must have worked so hard on what they wanted to say, and the whole room, the whole room figured out what I've been trying to say for a year. So it was, it was a lot of people found it to be a wonderful experience. Uh, I was sitting there with this very strange, little different angle that I couldn't explain it at, at all, and 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 then and then it happened. It was just different. And last thing I'll say about that is. Those people have been through a lot, and uh, this community just threw them a bomb. Uh, they are—they are the happiest people, and uh, because we recognize them, and uh, you have no idea what this profession just did for these two uh, folks who have fought, and fought, and fought, and fought, and fought to get things done, and fought literally, and and uh, uh, they really don't have a lot of great stories. They're happy, wonderful people. How, I don't know, but you know, the kindness of this community was just overwhelming. That's cool. Can, can I just sure. visit, for the record, for the camera, this, <laughs> this was already uh, down as my highlight of the conference, really. I, I, I agree absolutely with you. I think Adam framed it beautifully. He did. Uh, I think Brian, I just had a chat with him in the corridor, super approachable guy. Very, very funny. I don't think it was rehearsed. You know, we just had a call about, you know, we're a small firm, you know, we're 10-ish individuals. And he was, I aspire to be 10. He's <laughs> 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 a genuinely very, very funny guy. I thought I thought the juxtaposition of his, uh, you know, I don't, don't want to be rude, but he has raw comedic talent as well as a... As well as charismatic, very yes. funny guy. Yeah, and, very funny. and uh, as well as a, a potent message, and and for him to you know set it up and uh, Vishnu to, to come and, and 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 I mean you could say break the mood, but you know what I mean in oh, in a good way. Finish the story. That's, that's the word. with contrast. Yeah, and, yeah, and it was just, and you couldn't have. That's what I was saying to Adam. You know, if, if you're a film director, you couldn't have directed that better. It was so uh, natural the way it flowed. And it was a it was a piece, but a piece of differences, and 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 bear in mind, of course, this is a country as you say that were killing each other twenty two years ago, and, and we underestimate the 
pain that whistleblowers go through in any sort of environment, and yet let alone in a, in a country where, um, where the threat to her particularly was, was very, very real and understandable, wasn't it? If it was just a, a shared moment, we were all, I think, spellbound by that. It was. And, I mean, it's probably one of the best comedy performances I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. And then we call Roy Snell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he was really funny. Uh, he is very funny. And if you noticed, obviously he had no notes. Uh, I think he thought a lot more about it than, than we might guess. But your comment a second ago about he had the poignant message. So he, he tells the story, he inserts humor, he takes us through a little journey, very short one, about how they've gone from nothing to promoting compliance and shares a little bit about vision, and so did Adam. So when she got up, people understood. She's a very reserved individual, and uh, oh, geez, that was so cool. Just, mm -hmm. and I, and it's, I'm going back uh, next week. Uh, right. To, uh, we're gonna hold a, one of our regional, we call meetings, we charge very little, do a couple days, uh, get the local folks to pick all the folks, and. Joe Murphy's gone, Adam's gone, uh, and uh, what was interesting is I had a couple of people tell me, I want to I wanna go, we do it again, and uh, I thought, how cool is it that we are, everybody else is rushing to Paris and whatever, Dubai, which we are too, but uh, I, I really want to be the guys who are rushing to help whoever. We can only do so much, but uh, nobody would have ever put Sarajevo on the map uh, as a place to go hold any kind of compliance conference for a number of reasons, uh, uh, particularly business-wise. You know, it's just it's just not going to generate a lot of people, and but they'll be need they'll need it and they'll appreciate it, and and I just want to explain that. One quick part of this for those listening. <laughs> About a year and a half ago, Moyan and Vishnu were talking and saying, SEC has helped. We found these things on the website. We learned about who this voice now is. And Vishnu just, oh, if, you, if we could just get him to come. They were holding a conference. And, and uh, she's going, but he would never come. She's a very reserved, humble person. And Moyan is this. 180 degree different, bigger than life guy. Well, we'll ask him. And, she, and he actually studied who I was. Does this guy need an invite from the uh, mayor of Sarajevo, or does he just want me to shoot him two sentences saying, We're out here trying to push this concept and could use a little help here? Would you be interested in doing it? And he figured out who I was by reading some of my stuff, and, and uh, he shot that two sentence email, and I just shot it right back. And then six months later, there I am sitting in the Sarajevo airport thinking, I have no real clue what I'm getting myself <laughs> into. And it, it, was, it was the most rewarding, and will be, I will, I will never, most rewarding compliance experience I ever had. It is, you can't touch this. And I'm so glad people understand now. If you, you can't watch what they did. And we're going to get this on video. Mm. We're gonna, I'm going to make it available online somehow, and I'm going to send it out to everybody and say, 
he, he, I'm sorry to go on too much, but here's another thing that happened. In addition to all the things that we just talked about, these compliance folks every once in a while apologize for what they do. I wrote an article recently about you did. this. Uh, stop apologizing. And I tried to explain why not to apologize. Because you're helping and, and because some people don't get a get over, right? Do not blink. And if you watch this acceptance speech of this award by these two people in Adam's description ahead of time and think about this idea of apologizing for what you do, and for those listening, it's essentially that these people are you know, help the government implement a whistleblower law. They don't have a lot of other laws. They don't have enforcement of a lot of other laws. It, 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 and they're begging for some sense of a civilization, if you will, or whatever all that is that we have and they don't. We don't appreciate what we got. We complain all the time about too many regs. But I'll tell you, the next time somebody whines to me about all the crap we got to go through, I'll say, can you imagine what it would be like to be living in a, in a city, in a country, in a part of the world where regulations are, are, are few and far between, and of course all of the problems that we also have, like corruption and bribery, but without regulations and without protections of people who are trying to fix the problem, without a good effort for compliance programs. Anybody who apologizes for doing this job in the compliance field, whatever your role is, whatever angle you come from, uh, there should be no apologies. This is, this is what society needs. And, and if you can't see that after you watch this video, you, you will never see it. Otherwise, I feel pretty neutral about the whole thing. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. So what did you learn new or different, Jay? I thought, I thought we ran out of time. Oh. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, I, I learned, I always learn a lot from Marjorie Doyle. And I love stories. And Marjorie taught us that doing compliance is like taking care of cows on the ranch. And when you're successful, you buy yourself jewelry. So uh, <laughs> Here I thought it was shoes. I thought it was coach bags. <laughs> it's both. It's all three. It's all three. So um, that, uh, that was an incredibly passionate speech. The humor was just fabulous and the contrast between the two. And uh, what you didn't, the only thing I would add is they got a standing ovation. Yes, they did. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, that was really fabulous. Look, people came to me and said that my, my table was crying. Yeah. How, yeah. How, people don't get compliance. Somebody asked me the other day, what's the biggest problem for the compliance profession over the next 10 years? It's the fact that leadership doesn't understand what we do. Boards don't understand what we do. The legal department doesn't kind of understand what we do. We've got to get some understanding here. But uh, you sit there and you tell people that there was this experience, emotional experience, where a bunch of people in the room cried about compliance. Most people would say, oh, you're right, you're kidding me, right? Emotional about compliance. It, it was really cool. So uh, maybe let's turn to some of the things that's on uh, everyone's mind, kind of compliance-wise or otherwise. Um, Jay, why don't we just start with you. Anything uh, newsworthy or that you guys have faced affiliated monitors or something different that's uh, any compliance lessons from Millie and Michaela that they've taught you lately? <laughs> or, or have you just been buying bags, shoes, and jewelry? No, uh, I've been, uh, I don't know. I, I think... Uh, what happened, you and I spoke about it uh, 
on last week's, this week in the FCPA, and we, we talked about what's happening in Hollywood and about whether or not we really are at an inflection point. And I'm not sure if you said it or Tom said it, but who, who said that sexual harassment should now be an ethics and compliance issue and it's no longer HR? Who? Uh, I said that. Oh, okay. So there you go. all my best ideas come from Tom Fox. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that really hit home. And I think when Tom and I spoke about it last, I was, um, you know, not very hopeful. Um, I've been in many different industries. I've been in investment banking. I've been in business services. been in the entertainment industry. And, you know, there's always, um, unfortunately, some person who's wielding wielding their power against somebody else. So I think I'm a little bit more optimistic after this week, especially after hearing that, that speech. So, you know, uh, I, I think we still have a, a long road to travel, but uh, I feel better about this today than I did when we spoke last. Great. So anything on your mind other than anything else you've talked about? Boy, the, the, uh, the one thing I should mention is we announced at this meeting the uh, completion of a six-month process by a subcommittee of the board to select an incoming CEO who uh, we've identified, and the ink is barely dry on the contract with a, a gentleman named Jerry Zach, and we don't have enough time to do it justice, but I, I could not be more excited. His background is as if he spent his whole career getting ready for an opportunity like this, and it's perfect marriage because there's not too many jobs like this where you uh, get to sit in the seat that I have and work with the profession, a profession. This is not a lot of, by definition, one or two in every profession. Jobs like this, and it, it is just perfect for him. It's a perfect fit for us. Um, I also asked everybody in the audience to uh, welcome him, and no surprise, he got 525 LinkedIn <laughs> invites within the next six hours. And uh, so I thank everybody who did that. Uh, and he's replied back already. Yeah. He is, he is, I don't know if he must have slept because he was <laughs> teaching uh, Monday and today, uh, all day I think it was, and uh, he's very excited to, to do this. And, and what, what we're going to do is I'm going to work for about the next year and a couple of months to uh, let him run around and go to these conferences and work with the staff and the board and the vendors and the government contacts that we have and, and, and not have to worry about the organization for a bit and then we'll give him the title and I'll stick around for a little while uh, in the basement helping him and staying out of his way and uh, it's just an important process for this profession. You know, I've seen other professions mess up this transition, this handoff, almost more often than when they get it right, mm -hmm. particularly with a long-term executive. And uh, so we have a, a three-year plan in total. We're six months into it. The board did an unbelievable job, looked for a long time, got the right person. Uh, I'm, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to let him get his sea legs, and then, uh, and then I'm going to go into the woods for so, Jonathan, what's uh, what's on your mind? Are you are, are going to become a, a re-remainer, or are you going to lead the charge back, advance to the rear, uh, or I, something else? I, no, I get thoroughly depressed about Brexit, so I'll skip that. I, I tell you one thing that's been going through my mind, and it's an amalgamation of all sorts of things, and 
picking up some of the things you, you discussed. So my second highlight, uh, it's wrong to rank them, but I suppose you have to, was Marjorie's talk, yeah. which I thought was excellent as well. And I've a personal investment in that. You might not know the story, but so the, so the first really big compliance project I did was for DuPont in 2001, I think. So Marjorie was on the periphery of that project, and I helped design uh, DuPont's global privacy uh, program. So that was very, very early. DuPont were a great client, very trusting, etc., etc. And a lot of the things that she said about you know being at Wilmington, being at their site in Geneva or something, ring true even as external counsel. Things like they have this obsession with holding onto the handrail. Uh, you, if you go onto the premises, you know you can be fined for violations. I saw somebody be fined because it was 10 miles an hour and they were doing 12 or whatever. And, but what that breeds, and you might say that's obsessive, and I think Marjorie was saying this in part, is it breeds muscle memory. You know, I tried to learn golf, and the, 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 the coach was all about muscle memory, about you have to be you know, subconsciously competent. And I think that whole DuPont culture on safety and, by extension, compliance was all about that. And why I'm interested in that at the moment is we've been doing, we've had a lot of security breaches this year. So we've handled about 60 security breaches. And people behave very, very badly. They try and throw each other under the train. They don't concentrate on how to remedy the situation. Their nature is to concentrate on how to blame the next guy, make him look culpable, he goes under the train, I survive. And so what we've been trying to do with some clients is, is change that muscle memory to go from that inward, retrospective, let's have the post-mortem, to let's minimize the damage, you know, a lesson that many corporations could learn. Let's minimize the damage. Let's get things, let's look after the victims. Let's protect them first. There will be a time for, you know, we're in Caesar's Palace, for, for the emperor to be stabbed in the back or whatever. But it, but it isn't now. The, the, the time now is to focus on how to make the situation less harmful. So one of the things I'm interested in at the moment is, is all of that. And, and, that, and that's why Marjorie's talk, I think, resonated with that. And I'd not, I don't think I'd consciously looked at that before. But maybe that's where some of my thinking around things like data breach, getting people drilled, getting people into what might be relatively minor things, you know, get your press release sorted out in the first hour, know what your strategy is. Even before the press have run, you have to know that because that's a point of focus for you as well. And, and all of that stuff, I think you've got to get drilled and you've got to rehearse it, you've got to do it repeatedly. And in retrospect, I think that's what the DuPont training was doing all these years ago. And maybe maybe that is a, a testament to muscle memory that I'm instinctively thinking that when I'm in a security breach with a client or whatever. So Matt, you've got some interesting, uh, had some interesting blog posts up, uh, particularly around uh, the Teamsters preaching ethics. I think that that's probably going to be the one I go with here. This is a really interesting thing unfolding at Cardinal Health. Now, so they are a drug distribution company, a big one, $130 billion in revenue a year. And they distribute uh, oxycodone and <coughs> hydrocodone, which are the key elements in opioids. So, the Teamsters 
uh, in a letter they published just last week, are calling for shareholders to strip the CEO of his chairmanship title, claiming that he has not done enough to foster a culture of taking opioid abuse seriously because... Over the years, Cardinal has been disciplined or in litigation or regulatory probes several times from several different regulators about shipping vast quantities of opioids to small communities that have no earthly business with this much. Uh, one statistic, they shipped 241 million pills over six years to the state of West Virginia, which has less than 2 million people. Um, so. The Teamsters are running around saying this clearly shows there is a culture problem. You do not take ethics and compliance seriously. And Exhibit A, and this is where we get back to ethics and compliance, is the bloated incentive-based awards to the chief compliance and legal officer at Cardinal Health. Now, they're not faulting him specifically, and this is where I get really intrigued by this case, but they are saying that um, over the years... The board has been giving bonuses to this man, Craig Morford. He is a former deputy AG from the Bush administration. And they would be giving him large incentive bonuses and say that it was because he uh, helped to foster a strong regulatory compliance program. And then they would settle with the DEA or with state regulators for these drug shipment problems. And then they do the same thing all over again. Well, didn't we just solve this before? Didn't you get a bonus for solving it in 2012? Because now it's 2015, and we're here again, and all of this. That's the Teamsters' argument, is that clearly his bloated pay shows the board and the CEO are not taking culture seriously, so therefore we should separate the CEO and chairman roles. Um, they ran this number at McKesson, another drug distribution firm, earlier this year. I don't remember if the compliance officer there was in focus, but... Um, they basically got McKesson to do this. So, I mean, the Teamsters are no joke when they say this. But I do think it underscores the challenge, and I know that Donna Bohm, if she is around somewhere, would love to see this or hear this. This is the problem of combining legal and compliance into the same role. Because on one hand, Craig Morford did his job very well. He had a regulatory probe. He's the legal officer. He's supposed to settle it and make it go away. That's what he did. On the other hand, he's a compliance officer. They're supposed to be up about codes of conduct and ethical standards. So you don't have these problems. But they did. So did he do his job here or there? Or was he... You can't fault him for doing that, which the board is incentivizing him to do. And um, it's a fascinating problem. I don't know what the right answer is, although I think combining legal and compliance is not it. Um, and this will come up for a shareholder vote on November 8. I will be curious to see how much support Cardinal investors give this Teamsters idea. But it's, uh, it, it was a showstopper to see that the compliance officer's pay is the evidence in this kind of a case. Roy, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, I think uh, that raises a bigger question about compliance officer's pay. Uh, I think that's uh, a stone that has not been turned quite yet in, yeah. in this profession. Um, and then uh, how, they're, how they're incentivized. And, uh, and then the other part of this that is just fascinating is this independence. I just, I can't, you know, not just from legal, but from everything. 
you know, you, you look, Enron will kind of take out health stuff, Penn State University, VW, Wells Fargo, nobody with an, uh, uh, who's the Hollywood? Harvey Weinstein. That board has no independent eyeballs. No, it's true. They, you have to be not just independent from legal, you have to be independent from everything. And when the board, and you've got to be out in the prowl all the time, auditing, monitoring, investigating for trouble. And when you see something, you don't spin it to make it look good or how you would defend it in court. You say, here are the facts. Here's the good news. Here's the bad news. Here's maybe, a, if it's serious, an outside independent, meaning this person doesn't get money from us on a regular basis, opinion, expert opinion, about what you, the board, should do or what you, the CEO, should do. So, uh, you know, that just will forever be a, a fascinating issue, Matt. I, I think it underlines the, the point that legal and compliance are not the same thing. And you know, like I said before, I don't fault Craig Morford for settling these cases. As from That's what a general counsel is supposed to do. Uh, is get rid of the legal exposure, and in a company like McCa um, like Cardinal, it's very easy to settle it. They have plenty of money. They've got a skillful legal team, but that's not what compliance does. Compliance's mission is not to make the legal liability risks go away, whether you're cutting a check or anything. It's to build a better culture in a company, and these two missions do not play well in the sandbox together sometimes, and it leads to these very awkward situations like we're having a Cardinal. I, I mean, the Teamsters aren't wrong to raise this point, but I don't know that Morford was wrong to do what he did. Um, we could always pick on the board because generally I like to pick on boards. <laughs> um, but like, I, I don't know what the right answer here is, but it's a really thorny question. So it, it's very interesting you bring that up because that came up in one of my sessions. And there was a compliance officer, and he asked, how do I explain to the people in the company why compliance is different than legal? So we had 20 people in the room trying to figure out that was, and one of the answers was... And did Roy Snell say, have you been in a cave for the last 20 years? <laughs> so uh, never been seen in 10 sessions. One of, the, <laughs> one of the answers was that legal is there to protect the company, and compliance is there to, to protect the people. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know what more needs to be said. I've been in a cave. I, I, I think this conversation should never be had without at least some acknowledgement of the fact that society has figured out that the internal audit folks shouldn't report to, say, the CFO. That those people should have independence and report to audit committee of the board, the dotted line here, the dot straight line there, I don't care, but eventually you have to have executive session and be able to tell the folks that problems are being covered up or not. And, and so how the world is figured out, or was forced to do Sarbanes-Oxley, that independence for the internal auditor makes total sense, but independence for someone who has just not one risk area, but every risk area should not have independence. I'm sorry, to the people on this planet, none of you are making sense to me. And, and we, we've got we to gotta figure this thing out because... Uh, these boards, you know, and it, it is true, Matt, you know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, CEOs and boards, and, 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 and I understand that it's a good angle when you guys wake up and you're, you're behind this problem to some degree, but man, you, they're getting such horrible advice. 
So, so quick question. Under the GDPR, so the new uh, data protection laws in Europe, the data protection officer, who's got a quasi-independent role, has by statute to have a direct reporting line to the board. Is that mm. the road we should be going down? Oh, oh can I comment? By the way, <laughs> surveys actually cost us a, a few uh, dollars to implement. Uh, I'm telling people, those that are blocking the independence of the compliance officer, there will be surveys actually too. I didn't know this, I can't wait to go mm -hmm. research that a little bit more. Which will, like surveys, actually one in part got independence for the internal auditor and external auditor rotations and things like that. There'll be surveys actually too. It's gonna cost us the same amount of money and I'm gonna collect the names of every one of these people that are encouraging society to prevent compliance officers from having independence. And I'm going to find them all, I'm gonna put their name on a list, I'm gonna add up the names, I'm gonna divide the number of people by the total dollars that this costs business, Sarbanes actually too, and I'm gonna send an invoice <laughs> to all these people that instead of us as a, as a business community saying, this makes sense, let's not get in the way, let's do it, um, you know, in, in, instead of doing it ourselves, forcing the government to do it, costing us a fortune. Uh, oh, I'm just, I'm just so tired of this conversation. It's 21 years later, and I'm still having this conversation. That's what I think, Tom. So uh, we've got a few minutes left to wrap up, and I'd like to throw out uh, this question: What would you like to see next year, either different, more of, or? just suggestion-wise. So, Matt, you got any thoughts on what you might like to see, new, different, or other? Oh, for the year? conference? Well, uh, other than more free drink tickets. But Roy was always very generous in slipping me a few extra drink tickets, and I, I thank him for that. Um, I am a big fan of studying emerging markets and the challenges there, and we already get a very good international um, attendance. But, you know, maybe something that is some way for people who are uh, looking to find others from specific regions. Yeah. Um, something is actually on a very prosaic level. I actually was going to tweet out, are there any other Boston people who might be on my flight home? Um, you know, that we can all share a taxi to the airport. But either, you know, sessions that are organized about specific legal challenges in different countries or birds of a feather groups for different countries or something like that. Um, but you know that that's one thing I'd like to see. Jonathan. Oh, since it's live, I will plug tomorrow morning's session. All right. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing uh, almost to that point to yeah. get the internationalists together. We've got a Canadian speaker. I'm obviously non non Native American, uh, and a New Zealand-born lawyer who's practiced most of the time in Asia Pacific. We're basically taking two continents each, mm -hmm. and we're trying to look at their. Um, the, I'm taking the polls, by the way. That's how we've worked it out, um, and uh, and we're trying to do a quick and dirty of around the whole world. And then one of our ideas is to try and get the internationalists, you know, to focus on particular regions, and then maybe break out afterwards and know each other, so that the Asia Pacific people know who's coming to the conference from Asia Pac, etc. One other conference I go to has quite a neat tip for that, which might work, is that if you're a non-US resident, you're given a flag for your badge 
which has your home country on, mm. so people can identify where you've travelled from, and that might be a good idea for SEC generally, so that you can see. Well, I, would, I, would, I would absolutely. I, I, I get, I, we will do that, and we'll get it done. I, 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 I like the idea, in the, and particularly in the sense that, uh, again, this we're better than you, you're this class, I'm here. So many associations try to set up this class system of the, of the haves and the have-nots or the plebes or the people who are lucky to be here in my presence. Oh, I want to just scream. And to be able to put that flag there of, in this case, it would have been 40 different countries, 41 really, and, and uh, is saying we're, we're, we're very excited to have you all here. And, and uh, I, I will find a way to get that done, absolutely guarantee it, some sort of sticky thing, uh, badge. So do you have anything you'd like, uh, other than your plug and answering Matt's query, <laughs> do you have anything you'd like to see, new I, or different? I, I, I wonder if now's the time for a Tuesday night reception as well. I think a lot of people are rolling on from Sunday night to Monday night to Tuesday night. I, I wonder if it's an idea just to have a, a Tuesday night reception as well, Matt. You know, uh, it's funny, it's really difficult to do this live because it's, uh, you know, that particular idea is probably a fifty thousand uh, dollar. I have no idea, but it's yeah. probably shouldn't decide on. No, but, but I'm no, not saying. I, that. I thought about it a lot. I actually think if we really truly mean what we say, which is the networking is as important as the education, why not do another one? Maybe do something really different or simple or not costly. The money isn't that big a deal. I think we'll be fine. But um, the the one other fact that we'd have to keep in into thinking about is if the things that affect the vendors, the vendors, oh, we have to have one here, um, uh, more than one, but, you know, the people that have booths and... We're all vendors, yeah. so thank you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but those who have booths, all those you guys have booths, it's one other thing to think about. I wonder if they'd welcome it, though. I, I think if... I'm with them, I'm here, I, I, one more night. I yeah, and if you say, say it's, let's say it's, I don't know, we shouldn't make it up on the heat, but let's say it's $20,000, <laughs> let's say it's $20,000, I will, I will bet you a cordry pen that you will find four <laughs> vendors that will give you $5,000 yeah. each. Yeah, uh, we we will absolutely take a look at that. I think that would be uh, you. You just can't get enough of this. Uh, this uh, I'm trying to think in my head if I know some number that you know, give twenty k. I don't know, but uh, it, it's it's the more networking, the better. I'll look into it. Absolutely, absolutely. In the flight thing for for sure. I'd be writing this down, but Tom took my pen away. More drink tickets for Matt Kelly. Matt, Matt, yeah. Yeah. More drink tickets. I'll tell you why Matt Kelly got free drink tickets. Matt Kelly was very supportive of our, our, our approach publicly on how we handled the, the situation after the tragedy that occurred here, and we greatly appreciated his wow. support. And, and uh, uh, so that's why Matt. So let me let me jump over to Jay. What uh, what might you suggest, or what would you like to see? Uh, what I heard from a lot of the folks who were in my two uh, events discussion groups is that I, I think people would like to see more um, opportunities where they're interactive, and I think still trying to be everything to everyone. We have a lot of PowerPoint decks. Now, one thing that worked out well, I was in a 
session this morning about development at, uh, at DOJ with regard to FCPA, and it was our, our good friend Nat Edmonds, and um, he had his PowerPoint deck. He was only able to open up a couple pages, and then mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the audience took it over, and I think um, that's, that's the way we need, I, I think we need to think of the PowerPoint deck as a leave behind. Right, yeah. And I think if we can't figure out a way to make these things more interactive, we're, we're kind of doing a disservice to the folks who come here often. And, you know, from my perspective, I'm very lucky that I have people like you and Nat who will come to my sessions and be part of it and share your knowledge and be interactive. So my suggestion would be to try to find more opportunities to do that. Yeah, the, 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 the advanced discussion groups uh, are, are key. We, we, I always, I'm not sure I did it this year, but I quite often will send an email to the speakers two weeks before, a week before, engage, engage, engage. During, after, before, talk to the people. Now, sometimes it's easier than others, some subject matter maybe, if the room's too big, you know, uh, but uh, the advanced discussion groups are built for that, and they should not be handled any other way. And I think we have at least, well, we might have two tracks of those, I don't remember. Well, we, we went two days, so I did one on Monday and one on Tuesday. Yeah, we have them run through the whole three and a half, or at least during the Monday, Tuesday, what button went on. But three, three, three simultaneously, I think, most of the time. And so we're, we'll add more if we can. Uh, there's some limit to the number of rooms and all that. Well, but the, I, point I is, the point is that people shouldn't have but one or two slides. The the idea is that this the, all the other stuff is didactic. If this is where the room chats, and it's mm -hmm. and we limit the number of attendees, which drives people a little batty. But you, you know that's yeah that's that's an idea we came up with. Dan Roach did several years ago. We've used it to get at this thing called advanced compliance, which I think is a myth. By the way, there you go for a future topic for you guys. Advanced compliance. Please try and explain to me what advanced hotline is. So I got two two numbers. You know, is advanced education. Do you you know do, do people who teach in this building not advanced do do, do a lesser job? There's Regular the, hotline. Uh, you know, uh, advanced the, hotline goes directly to the prosecutor. <laughs> This would be funny. You guys could write this comic book, this I mean, a comedic book about this stuff. But yeah, we, we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can for all the interaction we we can get. We we really value that, and that's how people get at their issues. You know, it just it's like these podcasts, really. Tom and I've done. You guys have done. Mm -hmm. you, you, one guy, uh, one person says something. Next person says something. Next person says something. And uh, you get to a point in which n that that thought would have never happened had people not played off each other. That's where one-on-one makes three. It's really pretty good, and that's what happens in these things. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll do as much of that as we can. Thanks. So uh, I'm going to take liberty to have my request, uh, and my request is actually twofold. Mine is both to the organization and also to the membership, and it is for the organization, it is more and longer speed networking and speed yeah. mentoring. Those are two of not only the most enjoyable things that I've done at this year's conference, but also I've learned the most. And I've learned the most, uh, frankly, from people who uh, were in government, getting ready to go in the private sector, had just started in the compliance profession, 
uh, by the questions they ask, and it made me realize these are things that, that they need to hear, and they're things that I need to see. For the membership, my request is, uh, and Donna Bohm said this to me last night at, uh, or, uh, at the dinner. Uh, she said, look, uh, I'm here because I need to give back. And if you are, have been to multiple conferences, if you are kind of senior or mature and you're the compliance profession and you think that you really don't need this conference or you don't need a, a conference, you may be rolling into the obligation where you really need to give back. And a great way to do that is in speed networking and speed mentoring. Uh, they were both way too short. Uh, and, you know, if you guys wanted to put another hour on, I'd certainly sign up for both. So uh, that's really my request kind of going for This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Everything Compliance. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast, which would help in our rankings and also help get word out about the only roundtable podcast and compliance where four of the top compliance commentators literally across the globe get together to talk about issues in compliance. Also, Everything Compliance is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will join us again for another episode of Everything Compliance. Gentlemen, this has been uh, way too much fun. I'd like to thank everyone. Roy, thanks for uh, pinch hitting and coming in from the bullpen. As of the top of the uh, top of the ninth, the uh, no, excuse me, bottom of the eighth. Astros now four two with no outs and no one on for the Yankees. So uh, hopefully we'll hang on and go Astros. All right. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. All right. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.